Good evening, Cavian. Thanks for tuning in tonight to the Pod of the West Wind with your host, Matt Gallinson. We got a brand new guest tonight for a goofy chat to bring that Cavian spirit to your own home. Now, tonight I have with me the fearless leader of Camp Cavian. You might know him from assembly every single morning or from char charcoal ceremonies and skits. He's the Seltzer Sultan, the chairperson of cheer. Everybody give it up for Ken Robbins. Ken, how are you? I am great. Thank you. And that was lovely. <laughs> oh, you know, I've been working on it, you know. <laughs> so, Ken, I kind of want to know, what it, what's your day-to-day -day like? What, I know you're up at camp, right? And there's, it's pretty empty. So, how are you getting along? How are you, how are you spending your days? Yeah, my days are not what they are normally. That's putting it mildly. Right now, uh, on top of just keeping up with what needs to get done, you know, in terms of communicating with folks and answering phone calls, answering emails, and starting to think about what comes next. There's just a lot of work in camp and not just Cabian, but camps writ large. This is not just, obviously it's not just impacting Cabian, but it's impacting camp all across New Hampshire, all across the country. And I have the good fortune to be a part of a, a group of camp directors here in New Hampshire that are focused on on helping all camps, not just you know look ahead to how do we how do we see things changing, whether it's this summer or next summer, but getting ready for whatever the new reality is for camps in the future. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of work. I get to talk to a lot of people in the New Hampshire state government, trying to find funding sources, relief funding sources for camps to make sure that they survive this. Cabian mm -hmm. is really fortunate in that we do have the means to weather a summer of not running. Um, not all camps are, are so fortunate. So I'm doing work right now with these various groups to, to try and make sure that not just Cabian comes through on the other side of this, but that all camps do. Is the state very, uh, you know, amicable to these camps? Is it easy to to find this funding? So there's, there are a lot of funding opportunities. It's the challenge is helping the people that sort of hold the purse strings to mm -hmm. understand the unique way that this has, is impacting camps compared to other areas of the economy, right? So, okay. you know, where, whereas, you know, restaurants that may have had to close down for March, April, May, but are slowly reopening, you know, they, they mm -hmm. lost all this, this revenue, all this income through that, that second quarter, but they had, they had their first quarter of business and hopefully they're having a third mm -hmm. quarter and hopefully they'll have a fourth quarter of, yeah. of business. Camps have one quarter, you know, they have yeah. one opportunity. And for And there's us, no takeout only. Right. There's there's no There's no takeout only for, for, for camps, you know. That's so exactly, that's exactly right. Um, you know, when a when a camp has to shut it down and not open, their next opportunity to open again, serve their clientele and generate the revenue that they need in order to pay fixed expenses right you know mm -hmm. just because we're closed doesn't mean that our property tax bill goes away we still yeah. carry insurance and have premiums to pay we still have utility bills to pay 
Um, Campers, the, let this be a note. Camp is complicated. There are, camp there, is there complicated. Are of, there are, it's logistically complicated, you know? I mean, it's... <laughs> I heard a great analogy made today. Camp, we're, we're like a duck, right? A lot of what's going on <laughs> oh, with the duck is yeah. happening under the waterline. Um, <laughs> we look nice and pretty up above the waterline, but but <laughs> in terms of what's actually going on, a lot of it is is unseen. And so... Camps have not just one year to survive, they, they really have two years between opportunities to generate the revenue that they need to stay afloat. And that makes us pretty unique. There aren't a lot of industries that, that can say that. And so while I think a lot of people in the state government and, and in the federal government understand the need to provide support, the need to provide relief, to help camps survive this kind of event, you gotta paint a complete picture and teach them what a camp economy looks like, because it's unique. I'm actually kind of jealous. I was just reading the log and I was reading your bit about, about being at camp right now. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very jealous. I understand. It's, I'm hyper aware that this is a unique situation that I'm in and, and and that I think a lot of people would love to be able to be in it. But yeah, it's it's weird being here where sure. it's so quiet. It's weird, you know, sort of being around and, and noticing all the things that are just not quite as they ought to be at this time of year. I think, you know, I've been here a lot in the off season, fall, winter and spring. And so I'm I'm not unused to it mm-hmm. being quiet mm-hmm. or or being here alone but never when it's warm, never when, never when it's summertime. And so, um, well, there's those parts where it becomes summer and then, and then you're really looking for, okay, like now the kids come, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, there's, there's a rhythm and, and there was sort of that point where it's like, okay, things are supposed to be transitioning away from it being so quiet and, and it never, never quite did. So yeah, it's, it's strange and it's unfamiliar and alien, but you know, we're, we're sort of keeping, trying to keep, focused on what we can do here this summer. We're getting cabins stained and projects done that can get done and try and make the most of. Yeah. I was wondering if there was a big, I was wondering if there's a big maintenance operation going on right now. It seems like the opportune time to do so. Yeah. Not, not huge because certainly (laughs) we don't, we don't have a huge budget to be doing things. We talked back in the spring, we talked about, you know, maybe we could push forward on projects like getting more of the electric lines underground and, and mm-hmm. do things that take a lot of time and are disruptive to the facility where normally we only have, you know, either a few months in the fall before the ground freezes or a very limited time in the spring. You know, we never quite have that big window where we can do something that takes time to recover from but we also we don't want to be digging into something that is huge and expensive at a time when you know we don't really have that capability so you know the things that we can do like we're getting ahead on cabins getting stained or floors being refinished we put up a new flagpole on the dock things that you know we can do we're doing is your family with you right now my family is here cool cool how are they and they're good. Um, as much as there's no better place to be able to ride this out than up here, like there's no people up here and camp is a place yeah. that is really made by 
having people here. So, you know, you, you sort of feel like there's this void. And so it's not, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel the way it's supposed to feel. Um, yeah. So they're here and, and just sort of waiting to see what happens this fall, wait, waiting to see if they go back to school, just hoping things start to turn the corner. Bill Cox is, is here, you know, he lives right. just up the road. And so he's in every day and chipping away at things. And then Jeff Kubler is up here. Cool. Yeah. So we, he's really driving the, getting the cabins fixed up and, and stuff like that. So. And it's funny because you actually don't realize the people you really miss once it's been a, a while. Cause I mean, for me, it's been two years now. I expected it to right. be one year. I was hoping it'd be one year, you know what I mean? But after <laughs> two years, like, I don't know. It's just a lot of faces that I'm used to just having, having on a cycle in my life, you know, so it's difficult. That's right. And then, and you're, we're all sort of used to having that touch point where, you know, you get back to camp and you see those people that are reliably here, whether it's Jeff mm -hmm. or Bill French or Mike or, or whoever. And, and, you know, by now in, in the cycle of the year, you're supposed to have connected to those people. Ken, so I, I, I have a really pressing question. I've actually wanted to ask you about this so much. I, I've heard that you are quite the triumphant hiker. Is that, that's the word that I would <laughs> describe to, to describe your, your, your history with hiking. And as a novice hiker myself, I am, I'm quite fascinated in hearing about some of your grandest escapades in the White Mountains and other ones. I'd love to talk about hiking for a little bit. My family was not they weren't into doing resort type vacations. My family was mm -hmm. into hiking and skiing and, and, you know, time off and vacations were spent doing stuff like that. And so we were, mm -hmm. my brother and I were hiking from a, from a pretty young age before we came to Cabian. I certainly came into Cabian at age 11 thinking like, I, I am a hiker. I can, I can mm -hmm. do this. And I managed to talk my way as, a, as an 11 year old wolf onto <laughs> as my first ever trip out of camp onto a Carter Mariah overnight, which um, was way over my head as it turned out and, and was sort of dispiriting in that I pretty much sobbed my way through that entire <laughs> trip. Um, not, not my proudest hiking moment, certainly not triumphant in any way, <laughs> but survived and went on to certainly do some hiking. I think I'm not sure I remember this uh, accurately, but I'm pretty sure that 1985, which was my first summer at camp, was the first summer of the junior KMC. It was the first summer that they gave out huh? the purple. And I was part of the, if I'm remembering this correctly, I was part of the inaugural uh, junior KMC class. Um, never went stat. <laughs> <laughs> never went on to achieve the the coveted red bandana. Was only a camper for four summers, and then went on. I I was anxious to start earning earning money before making it to the age where I could be a counselor, and so um, mm. stopped stopped coming to camp earlier than I ought to have. But did go on to do a bunch of hiking with my family. We did the all the New Hampshire four thousand footers during my wow. middle school years. And um, wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait which... hold on a second. All the forty eights during your middle school years. You yep. said that so casually. That's amazing. That's very impressive. That's cool. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, that was cool, and and something that I'm I'm seeing us starting to do with my own family. My daughter and uh, my daughter Nora, and my wife Rowan went out last week and knocked off Mariah um, as part of the wow. Seek the Peak 
fundraiser for the Mount Washington Observatory, which is which was cool. I was super proud of them. And then so went to college and I won't make this a huge long story, but uh, somewhere <laughs> towards the end of my senior year in college, went to a, a wedding, a family, a wedding that my family was invited to. And somebody said, asked me, so what are your plans after college? And I said, yeah, I have no idea, no, no plan. And they said, you really cannot tell people that you have no plan because that's an open invitation for them to tell you what you should do. And they said, you should come up with a better story. I'm going to see you in a couple of days, like have a better story, even if it's bogus. So I thought about that and came up with, I'll tell them I'm going to through hike on the Appalachian Trail. Like that's a showstopper and interesting. And so saw that person again, two days later said, yeah, my plan is to take a little bit of time and then through hike the AT. And they said, that's perfect. Like no one's going to argue with that. That sounds like a great after college plan. And my, my little brother, Mark, who's three years younger than me, heard me say this and called me. He was a freshman in college at the time, called me a few weeks later when we were back at school and said, how, how serious were you about through hiking? Because I'm thinking of taking a year off and, and maybe transferring oh. out of here. I might be in. And I said, oh, OK, like time to take this time to take this maybe a little more seriously. So that ended up being what we did. So graduated college, found a job for the summer and the fall. And then, um, so that was 1997, we, we through hiked on the AT. It's one of the most uniquely impressive feats, I think, because it's, 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 people don't, I think, recognize the difficulty and, and the complete uniqueness of going to hike for what, two months, one month? How long did you do it? Five months. Five months. Oh, I was way off. Yeah. Five months in the <laughs> woods. That'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> Five months. But I'll tell you, like, it's, you know, because it's over 2000 miles. It's, you know, you're, you're, you're dropped off down in Georgia. And, and when you stop hiking, you're in Maine. And that's, um, but on the other hand, if you really stop and think about it, right, like, for five months, every day you wake up and all you really have in front of you is, you know, move yourself 20 miles up, up the trail and you've got all day to do it. And then the next day you wake up and do it again. So like, it's not, it, it's not the hardest thing in the world to do. Hmm. I think what's, what's maybe most impressive about it is like not deciding I've had enough of this at some yeah. point and just be like, I'm tired of getting up every day and mm -hmm. doing nothing but walking in the woods. It's, it's kind of a battle of, of repetition so yeah. but it was it was great and it, and it was one of those things where I felt like to that point I hadn't ever really set my mind to something big and seen it through to its conclusion so it felt really good and 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 sort of felt like a good jumping off point to whatever came next so definitely life yeah I'm, I'm life. still working on that I'm not exactly sure what that'll hold but We'll, well you should go <laughs> go through hike on the AT or or there are um, worse things to do but yeah, for you know, five I mean, months. Def oh, definitely. And I, I actually can't think of many better things, actually. <laughs> no. So, so Ken, here's another question for you. Um, what is your favorite part of being director? This might be kind of a hard one because I'm sure there's many, but, but if you had to distill your favorite part, what would it be? Oh, man, that's a great, that's a great question. My favorite part of being director uh, is probably, you know, getting to see people over this long evolution 
you know, I, I remember, I don't remember how old you were when I became director. I, you were still a camper. Yeah. Um, I was a, I was a woodchuck. It was my second year. Okay. So, I mean, I remember you as a very young camper and I got to see you for several summers as, as that camper getting a little bit older, a little bit bigger, a little bit more mature every year. And then got to see you come back as a young counselor and then multiple years as a counselor to the point where you're full grown adult at this point that, you know, is out there doing things Some would say. And, and, you know, producing a podcast or, you know, what have you. Um, <laughs> but I get, you know, I get to come back every year and see these guys a year older, a year more developed, more evolved, and then come to that point where they are a part of the workings of camp. And, and I get to work with you and, and see you as a peer and, and watch you become, you know, a part of making it happen for other people. That's a real gift and a real privilege. You know, I, every year, I think I look at the list of staff that will be making camp happen and think, man, this has to be the youngest staff we've ever had. Like, it just seems, they seem so young. And I have to remind myself that, yeah, like, Matt Gallinson isn't a woodchuck anymore. He's 22, <laughs> 23 years old and, you know, is, is someone know. who can be trusted, be relied upon to do this really hard and important thing. He's not, not a woodchuck anymore. So it's, it, I mean, it's great. It's, it's really, it's such a treat. You know, I look at, I look at some of our most firmly established staff, you know, guys like you guys like Sam and Matt, Elliot, you know, I remember them all as young campers and now they are these pillars, these foundations of camp. And to be able to look back on all of that and see the whole arc that's just, that's my favorite part. Wow, you know, I didn't know what the right answer was, but I think that was the right answer. That was, that was, <laughs> that was really nice. That was really nice. <laughs> I, um, camp is lucky to have you, Ken. That, that much is clear. No, I appreciate um, that. But anyway, in other news, cold brew. What, what, you're, you're so, so you're quite the, you're, you're a cold brew brewer? Is that, is that, is that exact? Because I've heard that. I've never tried some of your original Robin's cold brew though. I think, I think you're overstating things. Um, <laughs> I gotta be, I gotta be honest. I, I have, we have dabbled in my household in, in just about every version of coffee making. Uh, okay. it's a, it's a pretty important part of our daily routine. Um, and we have way more means of, creating coffee in our house than we ought to. We have an espresso maker. We've got a friend, couple of French presses. We got your traditional drip, uh, you know, whatever drip coffee maker. And then, yeah, I think it was John Murchison a few years ago who exposed us to cold brew as just a lovely alternative, which then led to acquiring, you know, a few different ways of making cold brew 
for anyone who's too young to know John Murchison, he was a swimming counselor who was a counselor when I was first a camper and then briefly a counselor while I was a counselor. We became great friends. He was on the swim dock and apparently he was a cold brew aficionado. So sorry, continue. It's, it's true. <laughs> All credit to John. And yeah, it's, you know, it's 95 degrees out here. Like who oh, wants yeah. hot, who wants hot coffee right now? So, <laughs> yeah, it's great. The only, the, you know, the only challenge with cold brew is that it takes like, I don't know, 12 to 24 hours to create. So you have to, you have to sort of be ahead of the plan in order to have it. You know, you, you had to oh, yeah. recognize it's not like brewing a fresh pot. Like, no, yeah, you can brew a fresh pot in about, you know, ten, five minutes, 10 minutes, you know. Oh man, the the camp coffee maker it takes like sixty seconds, and you can have a, a full pot of oh, yeah. pretty mediocre coffee. There's there's the coffee that you drink that's just a matter of like I need the jolt. These other methods of of uh, of making coffee that are there's more of a ritual to it, espresso or cold brew in particular. Like that's that's a really nice that can be a really nice part of your day. And, uh, and it certainly has been, has been in my world. Anyway, um, I'm incredibly impressed with the quality of what you're doing. And these are great. Thanks. And I think that they are an incredible value. I think you should, you know, whether it's you that keeps on doing them, you know, well into the fall or, or winter, or we find a way to keep it going. There's so many people that are a part of, doing what we do here that are, you know, they're teachers, they're, they're guides, they're mentors, and they're just interesting, fascinating people. And it is a huge part of what makes Cavian uh, important that these, that these characters and these people with stories and, and I'm glad that this is happening. I think it's one of the most valuable things that has come out of this super weird year where, you know, we're all, we're all casting about to figure out a way to, to find value. In, 2020. That's <laughs> yeah. Like we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to make the best of this, but also how to, how to grow from it sort of pulling back the curtain a little bit and shining a light on these people who we know them as camp counselors, we get a we get a chance to to get to know them and see them and see them doing what they do. But to really go beyond that and hear them, you know, share stories and and talk about what's important to them and what makes them who they are, I think it really adds a layer to this thing that we're doing. So I, I just think there's so much value in this and i'm glad that it's happening and i hope i hope that we can keep doing it there's a ton of people that have these kinds of stories to tell oh yeah so like i said i mean that's a huge <laughs> i'm i'm, I'm kind of putting a lot of pressure on you to keep this going and like i said like i have said before like as soon as you feel like all right it's time for someone else to pick up the mantle i think i think there will be people who are eager to do so but you're doing a great thing and and doing it really well and i appreciate it immensely. I hope that a lot of people are listening. Um, I hope that we can push this out there far and wide because it's really, it's really great. It's become a part of my weekly routine, you know, like <laughs> to, listen things, to, Ooh. <laughs> to listen to the pod. Yeah. Because so <laughs> part of, I mean, here's the thing, right? Like I have a dog now, which is weird because I've not been a dog guy ever. 
but I have a dog because, you know, so, so when my kids were born, we had a cat and then my kids started being like, dad, we want a dog. And I was like, no, like we're a one pet family. We've got the cat. And so we're not getting a dog. And, and I, it was a gross miscalculation, <laughs> right? Because pets come to a logical end. And so, you know, the cat, passed away and then it was like oh man like I have totally boxed myself into a corner because I sort of made my whole thing like no we can't get a dog because we have a cat but now we don't have a cat and so my reason for not having a dog is gone you're done done. so now we have (laughs) a dog but it's become this really you know nice thing that sometimes it's my job to walk the dog and we take a long loop through camp and so Fridays are like my favorite time (laughs) Because I've got this thing I can do, because the pot of the West Wind has a new episode dropping, and I'll I'm like wow. this is my day. Like I can't, I'll walk the dog, because I I have a pot. <laughs> that's the biggest. That's that's huge. We we really appreciate that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Ken, seriously, thank you for saying that. I, I I it's my pleasure. I love to do it, and I'll keep doing it because it's awesome. it's amazing and it's fun and it's really good. It's really good. Uh, this will be one of those things that we, one of those gems that we uncovered in a in a in a year that oh, you know yeah. we're talking we're talking about this being a lost summer, and it is. But we're gonna discover some some other stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know. And Connor, Connor Evans is doing a, you know, he's he's running, he's running six games a week. Wow, with campers. Wow two a day every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. He's got 30-something campers playing D&D. That's amazing. On, it's amazing. Um, but on top of that, Connor has been running a game of D&D with, with a handful of staff. And, and for a while, there was like a rotating group that would come in and play, but there was a, an established group. I played a week. Uh, it was super fun. But on top of the game being played once a week for like two or three hours, Connor's producing these videos that were posted on the website that, that show the game. And they're, you know, these 20 minute chapters, He's got 11 or 12 chapters already produced. Wow. Um, and I think he said in the end, the full game will, will cover about 20 chapters all recorded. He takes oh them, he edits them down. Yeah, it's really cool. And if there if there are people who haven't discovered those, they should get on the website and see the Westwind D and D videos that uh, Connor's putting out every I week. I love the mobilization of the log idea. I love the mobilization of the staff right now. It's 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 impressive. It's exciting to me. It's exciting to me too, right? So Jesse Metzger took on being the editor of the Log of the Westwind this summer, which Log of the Westwind's been going on for decades. Here we are in a summer where we're not at camp and Jesse's still putting together a log. We sent out a 16 page log. I just got that uh, log. Best best part of my week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh yeah. Um and and he's got another edition uh in the works now and I think we'll do three this summer. It's this great collection of stories and anecdotes and there's recipes from Jen and Mark and camp is still here. We can't be here this summer. You guys can't be here this summer, but it's still here and it's happening. And it's, you know, camp is more than just those two months. It's this idea, right? And, and it's this place that even once, 
even on in a summer that you're not here or if it's that you've you've outgrown your camper years you've got obligations out there and so you can't be there it's still there and you're still a part mm -hmm. of it having having once been here you're you're always a part of it and and it's a thing it's an idea and so it's been really gratifying to see the different ways that people have stepped up to ensure that it's actually happening and that there's yeah. that connection still in place and you know we'll we have to keep our fingers crossed and we have to all do the things that we can do to ensure this, wear your mask and keep your distance and make good decisions. But now we'll be back here soon. So Ken, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is that, wow, it was so nice to see you. And I, I just, it was, it was lovely to have you on the show and you're one of the most certainly high, high volume guests we've had so far. I mean, Talk about on the important scale. You're certainly the most celebrity. <laughs> and um, the bad news, however, is that we are out of time for this segment. So um, with that, I'll have to bid you adieu. Everyone who is listening, thank you so much for continuously tuning in. It means a lot to us. We hope you enjoy this episode and the next one's coming. Um, have a great night. Uh -huh.